Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Christ. Coffee and Christ. Dylan, welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for welcoming <laughs> me to your show. Welcome. <laughs> Glad you can join 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 me. Just kidding. This is not a It's been the longest special guest you've ever had. Oh man, that's the real uh, that's the real kicker, guys. Dylan's just now being introduced. <laughs> oh really? Here's my initiation over. Yes. A year. A year. Of my initiation, and it's finally over. What episode are we on right now? I don't know. Season 2, episode 10 or 11. So that means there's 63 episodes, approximately. 62 or 63. So Approximately is correct. So a lot of times, that's the name of the game. But, guys, welcome back. Glad to hear from y'all. We don't actually hear from you. But, um, Dylan, tell us about your week. How's hmm. it going? My first five nothing's going come out. <sighs> it's gone now. Typical. Um, my week has been nothing but showers of blessings and ways of grace. That's very good. There's a song out there. It's like waves of mercy, waves of grace. Actually, yeah, it's something denominational song. I don't really know. Hmm. If you know the song, now it's going to be stuck in your head the rest of the way. Waves of mercy, waves of grace. That's for you. Is it called Waves of Mercy? I would assume. They got it. <laughs> so, those of you that know that song, now you're going to sing it the rest of the day. Waves of mercy, waves of grace. Everywhere I look, I see your face. I don't know the tune to the song, so I'm going to stop. But anyway, um, my week has been good. Um... There's a lot going on in the world right now. Right. In my world. <laughs> but it's been a good week. It's been busy. But if it wasn't, then I would be bored. And I'd rather be busy. So I still get bored sometimes when I'm busy. Um, let's see. Anything interesting happen? Anything? I guess it hasn't been so long because we've recorded on Saturday. So Anything coffee and Christ worthy that you all should know about my life? Um, nothing. Since Saturday, since Saturday, I was like, "Yeah, not a lot of time has passed." No, no. so that's about it. Just work's been good. Church has been good. Um, life continues to roll on. Um, getting ready. I've been packing at my house. Getting oh, yeah. ready to move Sunday. So that'll be fun. Yep. You still got the the devotional down in. Uh, well, that's true. I'm Alabama. going to Alabama Friday to speak for Freed Hardman University, so that'll be fun. When are you gonna head down there? Friday. I mean, like just like I don't know. Early morning, making the day thing. I don't speak till like thirty. Or so like leave in the afternoon. Probably leave in the afternoon. I guess. What's a four or five hour drive? I think it's a four and a half. I'm gonna get my little change in my truck Friday morning. That's a good idea. So. Get her checked over. It's about it. I think so. Be prayerful for that. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun, fun trip. The title of my lesson is Better Together. You already have a title. I do. Wow. You're ahead of schedule, actually. I really I really am. I actually finished it last night. Did you? I did. What are the odds that you rewalk you rewrite it tomorrow night? A good 98%. Because mm-hmm. I'm not sold on it, but I love it yet. So anytime I prepare a lesson, if I don't love it, I refuse to speak it. But I save them just in case one day I might love it. Right. 
So I have a lot of sermons that are on my computer that have not been preached because I just don't love them. Hmm. But we'll see. It's not a bad idea. What about you? What are you thinking? What about me? Well, since the weekend, nothing much has really happened. I mean, I'm kind of with you. There's not only, what, three days passed? It's not a lot of time for things to happen. Not a lot of time. I I guess um, I'm going on vacay here in T-minus 10 days. So get ready for that. So you will not be hearing for us about, well, excuse me, you'll not be hearing from Coffee and Christ in about 10 days. Actually, it'd be more than that. But anywho, um, then besides that, really, it's just school. It's just work. Everything. I'm going to say the same way you did. The world keeps turning. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> I'd like to. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Go ahead. I'd like to address a something that's bothering me for for a moment. Okay. If you guys hear a dog, oh man, in the background, do you think they'll hear it through? Your I just heard it. Really? Yes. Did you hear it through your headphones? Really? Mm-hmm. So There's like, a dog. That I encountered on Sunday. That I don't understand what his problem is. Now, I love animals. I love them. I love dogs. I'm starting to come around to the idea of cats. Mm. Some cats. Not all cats. Some. Like Ty's cat. I like it. Cats are good to have. Or I like her. Cats are good to have. I will have a cat when I get my house built. Keep the snakes away. I'll have a cat. Keep the rats away. So, but anyway... I love animals that remain silent. There is something about, and I, I get it, dogs bark sometimes, but I can't stand for a dog to just bark all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, I will not have a dog that goes ballistic when someone comes into my house. Mm-hmm. I will not. Ha- I, I, I wish I could say the same. Because that absolutely. Puts me zero to angry <laughs> so fast. Zero to angry. Or like if I'm in my house and now there's a dog outside, like the one barking in the distance over here beside this, uh, our neighbor mm-hmm. over there, he's outside and I hear him. He's in a little kennel. Oh. But he just barks and barks and barks and it drives me crazy. Yeah. So if you hear a dog in the background, ignore. <laughs> Just let it go. He likes to interject his opinion. That's him doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Was that the dog or you? <laughs> a little burp just to come out. I'm sorry. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Oh man. So that was my own. That was my Dylan interjection for this episode. Just a spill. If you have a dog that barks a lot, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Or teach him not to bark anymore. I'm just kidding. Don't get rid of your dog. Just, or do. I mean, it's on our business. The truth. Just don't tell me. But, you know, dive into your dog. Yeah. Head first. My so. dad, this is terrible. We used to have a dog named Daisy. Mm-hmm. And Daisy once got attacked by a mountain lion and lived. Oh, yeah. No joke. But Daisy used to bark a lot. And dad would, he took the screen out of his master bedroom window. And it's, it's back in there now. But when Daisy was alive, and she unfortunately died of old age, but when Daisy was alive, if she started barking in the night, he would get a Roman candle and <laughs> light it. He had him by his bed, and he would shoot Roman candles out the window of the house at the dog to get her to be quiet. So, and I think he still does it from time to time with my mom's beagle. 
So, but yeah, yeah. Don't come after us. <laughs> so that's, I mean, he didn't, he didn't aim at her. He aimed close, but like, <laughs> it was, it was more, it was just a scare tactic, really. And it worked. But just little Dylan wakes up to do, do, do. <laughs> One time he had, my mom got so mad at him because he had a pack of the, the ones that crackle. So like the regular Roman candles, they'll just like you know what Jackson was doing, just a little boom, boom. Well, these were these had special effects. You would he didn't know it either, so he lit it and he shot it off and it went <laughs> like so it would shoot the thing out and then it would do the little crackle thing behind it. So he was in there like three a.m. out the window just boom, <laughs> boom, and it woke all of us up. And my mom screamed at him. It was really funny. Did your mom know that he did that? Yeah. Oh. She wasn't as close to Daisy as she is her beagle. Oh. They have true. the dumbest dog now. He he is so stupid. <laughs> he he's a beagle. I forgot his name. Duke. Duke. That's his name. <laughs> and <laughs> he has the worst bark you've ever heard. He sounds awful. Uh-huh. And he also they can't give him solids like bones because he gets choked. My dad's had to go down there and like. <laughs> Unlodge bones from his throat. Oh my god! Because you'll just hear him. He'll just be like, "Cole, Cole, Cole," and I try to bark and he can't. And that's when Dad knows that he's choked. Oh! So Dad just goes in there with some needle nose pliers <laughs> and forces his mouth open. I'm like, Cole pulls pulls bones so they don't give him they don't give him bones because he just he eats them. And he swallows. just swallows them. <laughs> so what an interesting dog. Yeah, he's so <laughs> dumb. Like he's just I don't know. So he funny. fell in the pool the other day. Oh. <laughs> Mom put him up on the pool deck because she thought he would like the view. And that's what she told us anyway. And he fell in the pool because he didn't have any concept that there's water there. And not a, he just like, Mom said he just literally walked over there and just went, Kum! and just fell in so the water. <laughs> so that was mad, number one, <laughs> that the dog was on the pool deck. But number two, that why Mom thought he would enjoy the view. Enjoy the view. Your um, mom's so sweet. So she's so kind. She was sitting in her little chair, and it dawned on her Duke. to go get Duke and let him enjoy the view with her. Aww. So anyway, that's so sweet. Your mom's so sweet. She also lets him ride on the lawnmower with her sometimes. Oh, anyway, no more, no more divulging the dirty secrets of Jay and Amy. I just thought it was funny. That's so cute. We'll maybe we'll maybe have more Jay and Amy talk later. <laughs> maybe we'll have Duke as a special guest one day. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Enough. Enough. Into the Bible. So we finished up Proverbs for last week. Um, we're going to be jumping all right into Proverbs chapter 5. I do want to um, go ahead and preference. Um, if you've been reading ahead, ahead you know what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But as a preference, I am not married. Therefore, I do not know what... Solomon is talking about here, <laughs> to an extent. Right. And the same thing goes for Dylan. However, we do have all the wisdom we need right here in the Bible. So we don't need to have experience or anything like that. So uh, just just so y'all know that that we're not, we don't have any personal experience with this. Right. So we're just giving our honest opinion of what we take from what we're going to read today. So start off. We're going to be in chapter 5, like I said. Follow along if you want to, but if you're driving, don't. Uh, verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep 
discretion. That's not discretion. That's desertion. Desertion. Excuse me. And your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a foreign uh, of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life, and way and her ways wander, and she does not know it. Uh, and yeah, I'll go on to number seven. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. No, I should have stopped at six. Go ahead, Dylan. Take it away. What you go one through six? No, 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 no. Okay, I guess I'll go. So the first six verses, like I said, um, you're gonna probably guess what we're talking about. We're gonna be talking about adultery. And Solomon is going to be, this is another one of those uh, speeches from a father to the son, and he's going to be talking about the warnings of adultery. And the kind of first thing he mentions is, you know, the most dangerous part of our entire body is our lips or our speech. He uses this poetic phrasing like that he knows, even then as it is now, how powerful speech is to us in our lives and what it can, you know, draw us to do or keep us from, and, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know, and the forbidden woman, and your Bible might say something else, but the forbidden woman here, her lips are honey. They're sweet at first. But then, in verse 4, it says, But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, and her feet go down, yada, 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 stuff like that. And just this a good start out of kind of Solomon's hitting the head, nail on the head where he's not holding anything back. And, you know, some uh, translations say this immoral woman or forbidden woman is, is bad news. You need to stay away from her. You need to keep his wisdom and understanding. And like he said in verse 2 as well, that your lips may guard knowledge. And so, you know, the idea is that the son started in these things but you know must face the challenges of remaining in them throughout life you know how uh like from the beginning we have been talking about how we're on this path where we get to choose either the path of life or the path of wickedness destru- destruction all that that comes in that the world you can kind of dumb it down to that and this is the stuff that you're going to face you know, a lot of the times when we pick the world path, then we're going to face some of these challenges. And and in order to stay away or, I don't even know the word I'm thinking of, or just, yeah, stay away is probably good enough. It, just to stay away from that is simply by choosing the path of life. And like he said, kind of the close out verse 6 and how aware I should have stopped, where it says, she does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander, and she does not know it. I thought I was on mute, but I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> you know, and I don't, I don't have a lot to say. That's why I wanted to see, you know, kind of what direction you went. Because um, there's not a lot to say right. here. But I will put another disclaimer here. Okay, so he opens up, you know, with a normal introduction in verses 1 and, and 2. And then he starts out with verse 3, which is, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. So... Let's talk about this phrase of an immoral woman. Solomon is not specifically calling out a woman right. here. Yeah. You know, we're not saying that women are wicked Ew. and that 
But keep in mind the audience of to what these are written to. He's writing to his son, mm-hmm. and so he's. Did you did you mention this? No, no, no. So he he's writing to his son, and so he's gearing it towards him and what he's listening to. Not because you know he thought men are always moral, and men are always, you know, the upright and and that mainly women are immoral and all these things. But like I said, he was obviously far too wise to uh, to do something like that. But he focused on this, again, because he wrote this to his son, and he's trying to show him maybe the greatest and closest moral danger um, to him, right? And so then we, we have this, this comparison of... For the lips of a forbidden woman, they drip honey, and her uh, speech is smoother than oil. So he, he's talking about, you know, I don't know how many what y'all's thoughts are, but, like, I love honey. Like, literally could open up a squeeze bottle and pour it into my mouth. It's also amazingly oh, good for you. I love it. Like, healthy is awesome for you. But, you know, you think about, it's the same allure, like, when you're trying to attract bugs... Or say you have gnats um, somewhere. You can get a plate and pour honey on it. And the next day, all these bugs are going to be stuck to it. Because they can't get out. Right? And that's what he's comparing all of this to. You know, you see something and you're like, man, that would be really good. And it's really sweet and all these things. And then when you actually get stuck to it, you're like, oh man. You know, I can't get away. And this is not, again, this is not just with women, but... You know, doing something like this outside of the covenant of marriage, whether you're doing this with, you know, let's say, woman or men, women or men, right? But, you know, there there's something to gain here on one party or another, right? Something emotional, something material, something sensual, something romantic, uh, potential gains, whatever, money. But that's what happens to people. And again, I'm just I'm gonna forget the gender here and just say people when you're not focused on God, when you're not focused on, you know, soaking in the wisdom that God offers us. Because then you are attracted to whatever you're gaining there. You know, whether it be a sexual relationship or, you know, you're being fed emotionally or you're, you know, the person that you're interested in has a lot of money or whatever but it's something that entices people right there has to be something there they're not just going to wake up one day and be like i'm going to cheat on my spouse you know it, it has to be something over time where you're processing something and saying you know look at what i'm gaining from this look at what i can achieve through this or you're picking apart your partner. And again, I'm not married, y'all. So I'm, this is just me knowing what I know about it and what I've studied about it. Or you're picking your partner apart so much that maybe it's not to gain something material. Maybe, you know, your husband or wife, they lack giving you emotional support and or they lack giving you, you know, whatever. And instead of sitting down with them and saying, hey, we need to work on this, I'm not getting this, or I'm not getting this. Instead, it's a gradual thing where, 
you know, say it happens over six months and you're not talking about it, you're just angry. And then you see somebody else at work or, you know, that you see or you meet somewhere or whatever and you're like, man, they're, they're going to give me emotionally what my partner's not going to give me. And then it's easy to jump ship. And that's what he's warning against here. He's saying, you know, it looks really good. It's sweet like honey. It's going to attract you. But don't get caught up in that because that's not what we're supposed to be focused on anyway as Christians, if that makes sense. And especially if you enter into the covenant of marriage. You know, when you do that, it's, hey, you know, we're going to work on this stuff. Nobody's perfect. I mean, we all have shortcomings and we all make mistakes but you're basically entering into a contract saying i'm going to talk to you i'm going to work out my differences with you because no marriage is perfect not a single one of them but you have you do have to have you know good communication skills with the person that you're married to so i i think that's perfectly said that's awesome but I will, I'll read. I got you. Are you going? Because you read verses 1 through 6. So let's read to 14. It says, And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honors to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill out of your strength, and your laborers go to the house of a foreigner. I'm at the end of your life. You groan. When your flesh and body are consumed and you say how I hate discipline in my heart, despise reproof, I do not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors, I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Jackson, what on earth does that mean? Hmm. So, (laughs) I think I'm going to undersell it on this metaphor because this is much more, you know, serious than just a snack problem. But I'm going back to my snack problem that we talked about last episode. Like, the longer I stay in the presence of snacks, the longer I look at them, the longer I think about it, and the longer I'm probably going to give in and eat them up. You know, and Solomon knows this, and I think that's what he's, well, well, this is what he's trying to do. He's imploring his son and us, the readers, whoever is reading this at this time, that the best way, the best defense against this temptation and enticement and whatever you can, you know, whatever you want to put in that that spot is distance. It's getting away. Get out of town, you know. And in the next couple of verses are is Solomon describing what this action can take from you. You know, and I think just just going back and reading over it again, where it says, the first thing is it takes your honor. It says, lest you're you give uh, your honor to others and your years to the merciless. So when you commit this act of adultery, the first thing that, you know, remember how Dylan said it earlier, that it's sweet, it's honey at first, but then there is, you know, what can I gain from this? But then once you follow through, then it's the bitter, it's the wormwood that comes afterward. And the wormwood or the bitterness here is honor. You know, this... Action can ruin lives, you know, loss of wealth, you know, breakdown of health because you're thinking about it. Um, and these are all the things that um, Solomon's mentioning. This is nothing that I'm coming up with, you know. It says it right there, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. You know, that's the law. And then it says, lest strangers take the fill of your strength and your laborers go into the house of foreigners. 
You know, it's taking your honors, taking your wealth. And then it says, and at the end of your life, you groan. And when your flesh and body are consumed, so then it's taking your health. And then finally, it's discipline. Verse 12, and you say, how I hate discipline and my heart despised reproof. You know, or another way of saying that is regret. You know, at this point, you had a secret. You were having fun, you know, fill in the blank of whatever what was going on, what you were feeling. And it might have been enjoyable. But once it gets public, and that's what it was saying in verse uh, 14 as well, where it says, I'm at the brink of the utter ruin in the assembled congregation. You know, once it gets public, it's no longer fun. That's when you experience that wormwood aspect of the action. And that's when you got to deal with the results of the loss of honor, ruins lives, the loss of wealth, breakdown of health, you know, all of this fun stuff, that same fun at first, now has produced, I don't want to say, I guess the best word would be consequences, but I don't even, I, there might be a better word out there, but I can't think of it, but produces this bad side. Of it. We'll just keep saying bitterness, wormwood. So. I was muted. <laughs> I do that because I don't want anyone to hear me just breathing over here. Um, you know, let's put it this way. And Jackson's exactly right. But there's a term that says every action has an equal opposite reaction. And that's also sung in a very famous play, Hamilton. Oh, it, I, I didn't know where you are going. I right. can sing it like it if you want, but I won't. Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> Lafayette does a better than <laughs> um, I'm obsessed with Hamilton, but we're not going to talk about that. But... It, it's also from somebody famous that I don't remember. But every action truly does have an equal opposite reaction. Isaac Newton? Right? Maybe. I think that's one of those. Look him up. I don't know. <laughs> Look it up. I just know it came from the play Hamilton is where I remember it from. But anyway, you know, there's there's a, a famous philosopher, right? And he says, he that would not be burned must dread the fire. And he that does not want to hear the bell must not meddle with the rope. And what I mean by that is, you know, I love fire. But I have a healthy respect for fire. You know, I'm not going to stick my hand into a flame on purpose. Because I know if I stick my hand into a flame, then I will be hurt. You know, same reason why you don't cross the street without looking both ways. I'm not letting that have dominion over me, but I know that if I step out in front of a car that doesn't have time to stop, you know, then they're going to hit me. It's not their fault. It's mine right. because I walked out in front of them. So if I take the action of walking out in front of a car or I take the action of sticking my hand into the fire, there's going to be an equal opposite reaction. Hence, getting burned or getting killed. You know, I mean, or hurt really bad if you get hit by a car. Yeah. But I have a respect. I know that I need to stay away from that. Because if I, if I meddle with it, then I'm going to be burned. Right? And the same, same aspect of, you know, this is kind of an older reference, you know, but he that doesn't want to hear the bell, don't meddle with the rope. Which means, like, if you have... I went to an old church one time in Crossville, 
for a vacation Bible school. It was an old Presbyterian church, and they had the old bell tower, mm-hmm. and you could actually pull the rope, and it would ring the bell. That was the coolest thing in the world. I got to do it. I was like, huh. <laughs> I was a visitor, and I was like, I want to ring the bell. So I did. <laughs> I was like seven or eight. I was like, I want to ring the bell. So I rang the bell. But if I don't want to hear it, then I'm not going to go pull the rope. You know, guys and, and ladies, <laughs> we all are vulnerable to sin. Okay, there is, there is nobody that is above sin. And adultery is a sin. Now, I want to make sure people are understanding what I'm saying. You know, because I think the church doesn't deal with it well. Because what we like to do is shut people out for it because it makes our mouths drop wide open when it happens. But it's a sin. A sin is a sin. You know, there's better ways that we can handle said sins, but that's a different podcast for a different day. But, you know, adultery is something that, you know, you can say, oh my goodness, I would never do that. I would never do that. But... If you play with fire, then you're going to get burned. And that's what he's he's saying to his son here using this metaphor. The same way with Jackson and the snacks. If there's a snack cabinet full of your mm. favorite snacks, mm. you're going to be burned because you're going to go over there and eat everything. I'm going to go look at it. Right? <laughs> and so maybe not everything, but you're going to go over there and get a little taste. Oh, yeah. But the same thing with, with really any, with any sin. You know, I'm not going to put adultery over here. As, you know, a sin that's unforgivable or a sin that's, you know, different from any other sin. But what he's trying to explain in this metaphor is before you know it, everything is gone. You know, there's something that, and and it's kind of a lost art now, you know, but there's something to be said about somebody's honor. You know, there's something to be said about somebody's word, that if they're going to do something, then you know they're going to do it. And I mean, I try to be like that. I try to, you know, if I tell you that I'm going to do something, then I'm, I'll do it. I'm, I'll, or I'll do everything I can to do it. Now, we all make mistakes. But he, he brings up in verse 9, you know, this honor. Right? And he says, and I'll, I'll back up to verse 8 just so you can get the context. But it says, keep you or keep your way far from her. And do not go near the doors of her house, lest you want to give your honors to someone. Bless you. We'll talk about old words a little bit, but um, it says if you want, unless you want to give your honor to others. You know, there's something to be said about your honor. And he's saying, unless you want to give your honor away, don't even go to the door. You know, don't even put yourself in the situation. You know, because then he goes on in verse 10, 11, 12, and he goes through this entire metaphor. And then in verse 14, he brings it all home because he says, you know, if you do this, you're going to look back one day and say, I'm on, I'm at the brink of utter ruin. Right? So he's saying, this will ruin you if you aren't careful. You know, this will be something, and again, not end you, keep in mind what I'm saying, but it can be detrimental to your life, like Jackson was saying. It affects not only you, but it affects somebody else. And it could ruin things financially. 
ruin somebody else's honor, all these things. And that's what he's just trying. He's using all these weird ways to look at it as just one big metaphor to say, don't give your honor to somebody else. You know, keep yourself pure, keep yourself holy, and don't go near it. Don't mess with it unless you want to be on the brink of other ruin. So we can keep going here in verse. We got time. 15. Um, if we go quick. I'm getting through you. We good. Verse 15, take it away. And drink water from your own cistern, following water, uh, flowing water from your own well. Should you springs, <clears throat> should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone, and not for the strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Um, I'm going to keep going. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman, and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He died for lack of discipline, and because of his uh, great folly, he is led astray. Go ahead. So, in verse 15... He starts out with, you know, drink from your own cistern, drink from your own vessel. And Solomon is reminding his son that, you know, God provided a wife for him. You know, that's one thing. If you're a Christian and you're truly trying to keep your relationship and keep your marriage God-centered, you have to understand that God provided a spouse for you. And... What you're doing is, you know, if you go through marrying whoever and you're truly keeping God first, then you need to understand that this is the person that God designed for you. And I believe that. Some people don't believe that. I do. You know, this is the person that God, you know, has an idea of the person he picked, handpicked for you. Right? And instead of neglecting what God has given, he's basically saying, you know, God provided for you. Be satisfied. Drink from your own, you know, bottle and be happy. And that's what he's saying with really verses 15 through 19. You know, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in, in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. He's talking about, you know, comparing her to this beautiful, you know, person and be blessed with that. Be happy with that. Um and there's people that never get married, and that's okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people frown upon that. But there's nothing wrong with, you know, being unmarried. But he's saying, you know, you have to be satisfied with your own wife or your own husband. You know, don't even let temptation grow there. You know, because you realize that, hey, this is the person that... God made for me, right? And there are things here, obviously, that he's referring to of, the, of a sexual nature, but, you know, don't be traveling somewhere else to get something that God provided for you. You know, and then he even goes on in 20, and he's saying, you know, be happy, be sober-minded with who you have. 
And then in verse 20, he says, well, why, why should you be intoxicated with the forbidden woman, you know, and, and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Why would you, and he's, he's making this, this comparison of being drunk on a false idea, right? There's a lot of people that, that have to have alcohol just to get through the day or just to focus, right? And he's saying, you don't need that because God is providing you with something and he's saying, be happy with that. Don't be intoxicated with this other way, right? For 21, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all of his paths, you know. So, you know, you, you have a lot of, this verse is kind of weird, um, but he's saying, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. You know, you always have this comparison of a boy and the dream, or like me looking up to my dad as a kid, you know, I wanted to be like him. I wanted to do what he did. I wanted to, to be a man, right? That's what little boys want. And he's saying almost like, don't be childish. Don't be a little boy. And try to get your fantasies and your desires and your emotional support from somebody that God didn't give to you. Because a man, his ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths, making sure that they align with what God has instructed. Right? And the same thing for women. You know, women, you know, typically, and I'm not, this is just a, a very broad look at it, but, you know, girls look up their moms. I want to be like her. I want to be like her. You know, be a man. Be a woman. Ponder your ways before the eyes of the Lord, not before the eyes of yourself, if that makes sense. And that's what he's, he's trying to say here. So I'll turn it over to you. Well, I just I think this chapter Solomon does really good of of doing the I guess the pros and cons of a short term you know what would be the word a short term pleasure or a long term and we just got done with talking about all the short terms about how you know we just want something to gain something fast and so you commit adultery and go through all that and you deal with the consequences and now he's kind of flipping the script here. And showing how what you can get and what you ultimately need to pursue in a marriage. You know, he, he uses water. Water in, you know, Proverbs and Song of Solomon and all that stuff. It's usually meaning kind of like a, kind of what Dylan was saying, a sexual desire. But against all this, I mean, he's saying that we should find everything that we need in our wife or ladies in your husband. You know, kind of what Dylan was saying, God has appointed this person for you. This is, you know, he allowed this to happen. He wanted this to happen. That's why it happened. For you to get married to this person, to your spouse. And and just like in these last couple of verses to end this chapter, that's what Solomon is just kind of reiterating. How important it is to when you have these, I don't know, enticements, these temptations or whatever, you're supposed to go to your wife or to your husband and seek out those, you know, something isn't going right. Or, you know, how Bill was saying earlier, you know, if they're not giving you emotional support, instead of going to someone else, you need to go to your spouse. Go to the person that God wants you to go to. And that's kind of also what Dylan was saying in verse 21. You know, God is, you know, no small action is unseen from God. I think that's what it's saying. You know, everything that we do, God's overseeing it. It's not like, 
know, this is this is just a small thing. I could get away with it. No. God is there. He's always there. He's always watching. I guess he's like Santa. But, you know, it kind of acts as a divine accountability. Sets almost a, a moral compass, you know, encouraging us as readers, you know, to act with integrity and, and, and righteousness of choosing, oh, when I have these weak points or or maybe I have something going on, I need to discuss this with my spouse and how it can be fixed. And then, again, he kind of ends with the consequences of not doing that, verses 22 and 23. He warns of the severe consequences of engaging in this act. you know. And like Dylan said again, sin, sin. We all have, you know, you can read 22 and 23 and put any sin in that phrase. Because that is the ultimate, you know, ending for anybody who willfully sins all the time and never, you know, tries to repent, you know. And so, but in this case, it is talking about adultery and how, you know, they're going to be ensnared. And he is held fast in cords of sin. And, you know, holding them fast suggests that sinful actions can, you know, they're going to entangle us, leading to, like, this bondage of sin but there's good news, apart from that, that Jesus set us free from those bondages. We don't have to worry about those keeping us ensnared or, or tangled forever, because he did what no one else would do. He died for us, because he loved us. And so, you know, Dylan, you have any other rock? Well, here's where I can, we can kind of wrap this up. You know, adultery is a real thing that you know a lot of people struggle with and just the fact that it's mentioned in proverbs means that it's something that's struggled and they're they're trying to to push the wisdom of staying away from it but think about what jackson just said you know jesus set us free from our sin and god sent him here to do that so we entrust God with our salvation. And that's a big deal. So why not trust that the person that he sends you to marry, why not trust him when he gives you that person and make sure that that's the only person that you're sharing your life with to that extent for the rest of your life? You know, because when you don't do that, it's almost like you're saying, you know, I don't trust the person that you sent me, so I'm going somewhere else. Guys, this is the same God that sent his son that said, I love you. And I'm going to make sure that you're set free from your bondage of sin. So think about that. And this is not the last time we're going to talk about adultery. I think it go. It's mentioned in chapter six and seven. So buckle up. That's right. <laughs> get on the adultery train. Whoop. Well, uh, <laughs> I heard it. Don't get on the adultery I heard train. It at the same time. <laughs> but we are going to be talking about it a lot. So have a great week. <laughs> we love y'all. Jesus loves See you. Ya.